Hello and welcome to Film Exploration with Ash Hari. More importantly, another episode of Season 7. We've just finished our Halloween special, so we'll get right back to the classics of the 70s. And for Episode 27, we've got another classic among the ranks. We'll be talking about the Oscar-winning 1978 war epic, or should I say wedding epic, The Deer Hunter, starring Robert De Niro, Christopher Walken and Meryl Streep. Those heavy hitters in the acting world, those three names are now known as serious A-listers, legends that are still going. All three are worthy of the screen by themselves, let alone blessing this film with all three sharing the screen to produce one of the most enduring films of the last half century. Between them, six Oscar wins and over 27 nominations throughout the course of their careers in Hollywood. All three nominated for this film, but Christopher Walken ended up taking the only acting award home that night. Fear not, though, this would be his only Oscar win to date, but the portrayal of young Nick in this film echoes throughout Hollywood as one of the greatest roles in the best supporting category. Christopher Walken winning his only Oscar to date, De Niro claiming the most physical, exhausting film of all time. He didn't even attend the Oscars because of how scared he was about the film's controversy. So what is this about? What is The Deer Hunter all about? This is probably another example of a film that is on top of everyone's I know this film but haven't seen it list. And that list just keeps expanding throughout the years. A film that was shocking, devastating and foremost legendary in terms of movie making, performances and raw ordeals and repression of the human mind. If you're listening to this and happen to like or have seen The Godfather, then you know that the wedding scene in The Godfather is famous for being quite lengthy, taken up. 20 to 25 minutes of the opening scene with various cuts back to Marlon Brando's character doing his gangster business. Now, if you take away the ass kissing of favors in the office and just the general imagery of people seeing Marlon Brando as a god, the wedding scene is actually around half that. But yet that scene exists today is very famous and very long. Enter The Deer Hunter, 1978, four or five years later after The Godfather was made. The backdrop of this Oscar-winning film is meant to be Vietnam, and yes, this film is technically a Vietnam War movie, joining the likes of Platoon and Apocalypse Now. Although, unlike the other two, The Deer Hunter explores a completely different theme towards the Vietnam War. That isn't all explosions and dramatic slow motion running until you get shot in the back. So the movie opens exactly in real time, meaning that the entire wedding sequence happens as we watch it. One hour. That's right. One whole hour of this film is dedicated to really bringing that realism of you, the audience, into this 60s America shithole of a town that is on the brink of extreme poverty, if not already in extreme poverty in this movie. All our characters here are, for some reason, of uh, Russian heritage. We don't really explore why this is, but it's an interesting dynamic in terms of culture and exploring parts of their rituals during weddings. I mean, one stretch may be that this further exploits the fact that the true enemy at the time was in Vietnam, not with anyone else. Certainly not the familiar enemies of the Soviets, or more specifically the Russians. We all know the famous bad blood between the Americans and the Soviets with the space race amongst other little quarrels. So yes... Our main characters are Russian-Americans. We just accept that to be that. And the Russian-American characters of, you know, De Niro, Walking Kazal all work the local street mill in town, which predominantly shadows the entire town as the only real outcome and business for this town, minus the little, you know, convenience stores in this movie. And the cinematography in this movie does well to remind us that this mill is an important part of this town's development, maybe future, and is sort of the backbone for the blood of this town. With the way the film is done, it really establishes really well that these lads, you know, Walking and De Niro, 
everyone knows them. It's like a family a community. They go to work in a manual laboring environment at the at the mill. They all leave together. They head to the bar. They have a few drinks, and on the weekends they go deer hunting. So you have you know this dugout routine in this small town, and we as the audience become quite familiar with that. Just seeing it once, but 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 seeing it in real time and taking those shortcuts and development of each of these characters, and that's what really sells it. And the film takes its time to really draw you into this routine. The 15 minutes at the bar, the 10 minutes of them working and leaving together. And of course, the whole hour of them at the wedding, which becomes a joint celebration and saying goodbye, or rather yet congratulating three of the lads, including Walkin and De Niro, for about to be serving their country in Vietnam. Now, the scene actually had real Russians who partied for days to make this film more authentic, introducing the real Russian dancing and the drinking and certain things they do at particular uh, Russian weddings. Now, most films would have have, you know, a few scenes of dancing and whatnot. Then we have a, you know, then we start a story in Vietnam 30 minutes later. But no, not in A Deer Hunter. We don't even get to that until an hour and a half into the movie. That's right. This film could easily be set on stage as a three-part drama with the running of this film to be over three hours long. This film took me two sittings to watch, took me five hours to watch a three-hour movie. And I've always preached about watching a film in one sitting. However, with this one, the, you know, the dramatic change from one scene to another is almost a subtle nod to taking an intermission. The first 90 minutes really grounded you as part of this town and even as part of one of the lads who everyone knows and now respects because they're going to go fight in Vietnam. We spend a lot of time establishing the real grit of this town and how bleak it is, which is further emphasised with the length of the wedding and how happy everyone is to be doing something different. And we share these intimate scenes with these certain characters in those 90 minutes, really getting to know their desires of, you know, their not desires, but more their fears of marriage life, going to war and more importantly, love. Now, in those 90 minutes where we are, you know, trying to find out who these characters are, we come across a subplot like this, uh, you know, this other story that isn't the Vietnam War. And it's a, a love triangle between Meryl Streep and Christopher Walken and, of course, Robert De Niro. And the layout of this love theme is somewhat foreshadowed in Michael Bay's 2001 epic Pearl Harbor. So after some partying, some deer hunting, some intimate scenes between Walken and De Niro, who after the wedding promise each other not to leave Vietnam without the other, we finally move on from this gritty little town and straight into Vietnam where we see Rob De Niro taking an authoritative figure in this uh, army unit. We just assume he's done really well in the time he's been there and he's been promoted. Now this happens quite quickly and we have to assume that De Niro has progressed during his time at Vietnam and that the others are regular GISs and of course they have been, you know, they've been separated. None of this is in the movie because like I said, this is not a movie about Vietnam. It's not based on fighting and the war and however the, mo the, the more iconic scene is yet to happen but anyway as that movie come you know as we you know follow these characters in vietnam they finally regroup to everyone's joy but then as soon as they regroup they get captured by the Viet Cong in a convenient you know convenient way but you sort of brush past that and this is where we see the first theme of war and the struggles of war where the Viet Cong are gunning down villages and holding the american army prisoner and then we turn to the movie's main subplot the Russian roulette, where the Viet Cong chooses one American soldier to play against another one. Now, if you're not familiar with the game, you get a gun with six chambers and one bullet, and the referee puts the bullet in one of the chambers and spins it. And then you make bets on who dies by the person shooting a gun at their own head with a one in six chance of surviving. According to experts and critics and even fellow veterans of war, claim this never happened in Vietnam, instead accusing the film of trying to invent a pointless game to add tension to a long-winded movie. 
Others, however, disputed this and said this was practiced in some places in Vietnam as a way of making money and and just out of complete boredom. In terms of why there is a film revolving around a game of chance, we have no idea. It's very easy to assure or assume that the themes involved in Russian roulette could go hand to hand with addiction and also the quality of life during a time of bleakness, uncertainty and, of course, the struggles of war. So once again, after they miraculously escaped the game of Russian roulette after playing a few rounds of each other and surviving other horrendous ordeals, the three men once again get separated, and that is the extent of the violence in terms of the Vietnam War. Now the film follows De Niro going back home in the final act of the movie, but soon learns that the walk-in is still in Vietnam, making loads of money playing Russian roulette in this sort of addiction-slash-thrill ride in an underground place in Vietnam or in, um, in the town. And we find out that, you know, we find this out from the um, the third member in Vietnam who's in hospital from Vietnam. And he's getting monthly stashes of money from the winnings in Vietnam from Christopher Walken. Now, upon learning this, De Niro antes up and goes to Vietnam to rescue Walken from himself in this evil game of Russian roulette, as they promised each other at the start of the movie that they wouldn't leave anyone behind. And the final act of the movie plays out both between De Niro and Walken playing each other Bear in mind that, you know, under, they're, they're under no imprisonment or anyone else, you know, it's just themselves, you know, they're not, they're there by their own free will. And the film, by the way, spoiler alert, tragically ends in walking, shooting himself to his death, much to the sadness of De Niro. And the movie sort of ends with this funeral back in the home, you know, in the hometown where the community mourns the loss of their loved Nikki. And De Niro sort of side by side with Meryl Streep singing a national anthem as the film ends. So that's the film. I mean, the film is not what anyone expected it to be. It was bold to be classed as a war film, but not so much as exploring the battles in the Viet Cong jungle. What it does, though, is show the mental struggle for a game of Russian roulette of the American soldiers that went out there. And that's probably what the game symbolizes in a bold statement. The title misleads people to even believe that this film might be a film about war, but more so about hunting deer, which does happen as a hobby for the young male characters on screen. For me, the escape from the steel grotty town is the essence of the movie. The deer hunting simply is an escape to leave everything behind. It only happens just for a few moments in the movie. Part of the attraction for going to war was literally a change of scenery. And this sort of represents the idea of boredom and delving your hands into excitement, no matter what the cost is. Now, in terms of the performances, it's very hard to fault anyone in this movie. I mean, Meryl Streep in particular was amazing in this. I mean, it doesn't matter what film she's in, doesn't matter how bad the film is, she's amazing in any film. One of her earlier roles, which would have been one of her first of many Oscar nominations. The movie itself is one of the earliest examples of successful Oscar basing in order to maximize box office performances. So when the first test screening turned out disastrous, the studio was unsure on how to market a movie with such grim and depressing subject matters. So as a consultant, they hired veteran producer Alan Carr, not the British comedian, there's another person called Alan Carr, who realized that the movie would only attract an audience if it received recognition from the audience, uh, from the Academy. So he gave it a very limited release in two theaters near the end of the year for an audience of critics and academy members and for the period that they would qualify for the film to be oscar legible which means it would be nominated or be in the category for being nominated uh, for the oscars so the film was then pulled from distribution except for a few screens on cable network that you know 
you know, catered to sort of people like me, cinephiles. So when The Deer Hunter received critical acclaim as well as nine Oscar nominations, it was given a wide release and promotional campaigns that underscored the artistic success, which lead into a substantial box office success, releasing high-profile films near the end of a movie or end of the year to create, uh, you know, the Oscar chances as well as the box office potential has become in standard practice since. So when films try to get themselves more prestige, more more viewers, what they do is they release films into lesser screens towards the end of the year so they qualify to be recognised by the Academy, which means they get nominations. And that's why films tend to want to be released uh, towards Christmas time. So any films towards Christmas times tends to be in the eyes of the Academy. Obviously, this massively paid off when The Deer Hunter walks away with five Oscars, including Best Film and Best Supporting Actor. The idea of doing things authentically started to impress people when watching films, you know, when the 60s and most notably the 50s were so used to stunt doubles, fake hitting and fake spitting. You know, in this movie, we have the reality of being in Vietnam in this awful American rural town. The director convinced, you know, you know, Christopher Walken to spit in De Niro's uh, face at the end of the movie. Um, And when Walken actually did it, De Niro was completely shocked. And, you know, it's evident by his reaction, which is in the movie. In fact, De Niro was so angry about it he nearly left a set and Semeno said that of you know he Semeno, who's the um the producer at the time he was like wow walking's got courage to do that and also the first russian roulette scene every single slap in that scene is 100 percent authentic the actors grew very agitated by the constant slapping which naturally added to the realism of the movie the film also stars John Cazale who plays Stan in this movie at the time of this movie John Cazale was dying of cancer and they were unsure about casting him, knowing his conditions. The studio actually found mid, uh, you know, they only found out midway through the first day of filming and wanted to recast him. And pretty much the entire cast objected to this without, you know, without Casal even knowing. Meryl Streep friends to quit. Robert De Niro was offering his paycheck, which he ended up paying to John Cazale himself. It was very evident when you watched the film that John Cazale was suffering a little bit. The studio was saying he was uninsurable, and De Niro just covered the insurance without even a discussion. The movie business is extremely relentless. And Meryl Streep actually dated John Gazelle during production and even had a relationship with him. I mean, he shortly died um, just after filming, meaning he never saw the completed movie. I mean, if you look at his... I mean, this is an amazing fact, and he's you know, a terrific actor, and it's really sad watching The Deer Hunter knowing the conditions he was in at the time. But if you look at the short contribution to film, he only ever starred in five films, dying at the age of 42. But the five films he starred in were The Godfather, Deer Hunter... Dog Day Afternoon, Godfather Part 2, and The Conversation. All five films were nominated for Best Film at the Academy, and three of them won. That is an incredible legacy to leave behind, and you know it's always sad to watch John Gazelle in this movie. It's one of those films that I'm glad I've seen, and I probably won't ever need to revisit again, because it just stays with you. A film to sort of get out of the way, just for the fact that you can say that you've seen this movie now. I mean, Christopher Walken is the reason I watched this movie. He's an extraordinary actor and his performance is well deserved for the Academy Award. I was reading, actually, to get this sort of withdrawn look that he has in the third act of the movie. He had nothing but water and rice, which was one of the first times an actor had gone to lengths to portray an imagery on screen. And no doubt, Robert De Niro gave him some tips on this, as he is probably known as one of the best method actors out there. And this is way before, you know, Christian Bale 
you know, did what he did in The Machinist. I mean, Christian Bell, I think, even said that, you know, he watched The Deer Hunter and he got inspired to do this sort of method acting for films. And many people can see this film as a spiritual movie that shows the progression of life. I mean, the wedding scene as a rebirth, the horrible tragedy of life in any form you wish to see it, you know, bills, mortgages, debt, and then the movie ends with a funeral. And some people have tried to see Deer Hunter as that film that can really resonate people's feelings about their lives and where they're going. I mean, the Russian roulette acting as an escape, despite its danger to itself. I mean, the reason the wedding scene was so long, an hour long, was to juxtapose it with the horrors of what would happen later in life, you know, whether it be divorce or death or debt or addiction. And this movie articulates that quite well, using the misleading backdrop of war. I mean, the locations in this movie... They act more as a character as they do as a place. I mean, the steel town, the Vietnam jungle are both shown in a gritty fashion in their own way and involving the same people going through different things at different stages of their lives. I mean, the thing, the thing to really take away from this movie is that escaping isn't always the answer. And that's why I think, you know, Meryl Streep's character is so important. She's grounded. She has a path and she knows where she wants to be. She just wants a man so she can have children and start a life and maybe even have grandchildren. She doesn't care where it is. What matters to her is the value and quality of her life. And she happens to have two men caught up, you know, fighting over her, but also fighting their own battles in war. And again, with Russian roulette. I mean, the film should be watched just once and that should be enough really to solidify itself in your mind, never to probably revisit it again. However, you never know as you get older, you might have an urge to watch this classic once again and it might mean something more the older we get. If you do want to see Robert De Niro and Christopher Walken again in the same film, there is a god-awful film or what looks to be a god-awful film coming out called War With Grandpa, which actually knocked Tenant off the uh, box office recently, which is saying something... It looks awful, but hey, it reunites these two legends again, and I think they should work together again. I think they did work together in the 90s in a film called... Oh, I can't remember what it's called, but hey, I'm glad all three of these actors are still with us and giving us the joy in our own homes and hopefully in time, cinemas. Meryl Streep can do no wrong. I've always loved Robert De Niro, and I love that he's still going into every genre. And Christopher Walken, we're seeing a bit less of him, but hopefully we see a bit more of him in some, you know, some comedic roles and some, you know, more intense roles. All three are, you know, the one of the three of their best in their trades, and you know that, you know, you can't flaw them. And this movie really shows the best of all three of their abilities. Well, that's all I have time for with The Deer Hunter. Please subscribe to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry on Spotify or iTunes or Google. And I'm on Instagram, Film Exploration AH, all lowercase, all one word. And thank you again for listening to my podcast on The Deer Hunter.